Amen. Hallelujah and good morning. Welcome to the service of the Lord. It's so beautiful to be able to be with you in the congregation and experience what you experience every Sunday. It's beautiful. It just is. Um, thank you, team, for doing what you do. I know you work hard. They're all gone, but they work so hard at doing what they do, and uh, I just appreciate them so much. Okay, so without any other time, let's get moving into the Word today. I want to speak to you today about seasons. Now, I know there are seasons going on in the church. There are spiritual seasons, there are emotional seasons, and in some of your lives, there are physical seasons. The word that came forth today about the things that you're going through and where you've been, life doesn't happen without seasons. There's ups, there's downs, there's joy, there's sadness. The bottom line is, if you're not low, you're high. If you're high one day, you're going to be low. And if you're low, you'll get there. It's going to be okay. But the point is, is that it didn't say that once you got saved and once you became in the body of Christ, that everything would just be easy. It didn't say that. There's ups and there's downs to everything. And how many of you have watched the movie? Um, it, it, there's a movie about joy and sadness. And if you're not, if you never experience sadness, if you never experience grief, then you never know what joy looks like, right? I know that sounds crazy, but if winter didn't come, then how would you appreciate the sun? It's a difference. If, if daylight and darkness wasn't there, then you, you wouldn't be able to appreciate what you have. So let's look at seasons as something that brings something different in our lives. It's not just the same old, same old, but it causes us to look differently at certain things. So before I get going, I want to talk to you about what the word season means. I do this every single time I teach. It's something I've taken away from my mother and my father. Um, it's just in dad's uh, more mature years. He just don't explain it for us younger folk anymore. So I'm going to keep going and tell you what the word season means. It is a period of time, a set time, marked by certain conditions in your life. Now, when I think of a season, the first thing that comes to my mind is the terrible twos. Now, before you parents all get off your rockers and say, well, my kid's never going to have their terrible twos. You're right. It's probably going to be the terrible 22s. Sooner or later, it will come. You can't always have the high life with your children. And trust me, I probably have one right now called the terrible teens, but I'm not for sure. I haven't found that in any book yet. The point is the terrible twos. What is it? It's a certain period of time. What does that look like? It lasts about a year, a year and a half. For some of us, it lasts 17 years. For others, they last 11 years. I've got three, and I don't think they've ever stopped. It's marked by certain conditions. What are those conditions? Well, let's look at it. A two-year-old. Um, disobedient. Back talk. This is when they learn the word no. Right back to you. No. They look at you, it's defiant, it's disobedient. Or how about this? Don't touch that. I said, don't, don't touch it. It's, it's a boundary test. It's how far can I push mom and dad? Will they really whip me like they say they will? Do you know my texting didn't even know the word whipping yesterday when I went to put in the word whipping? Or y'all, you get a whipping? It said weapon. It didn't even say whipping. Come on, Siri's got to get on this. We need whipping in the dictionary. The point is, is it's, it's the testing twos. It's the testing teenager. It's all about how far can I push the limits without getting smacked. How many of you are like that? 
with the Lord. I've been there. Trust me. I've gotten a few whippings. So, season. A period of time marked by certain conditions. All right? And if you think of it right now, you're all in a season of some type. So, let's go to Genesis, the sixth chapter. And I'm going to tell you the story about Noah. Okay? Now, a lot of you know about Noah and the ark. Right? But I want to tell you why God had Noah build the ark before we get started. It said, And God saw, this is the fifth verse of the sixth chapter, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on this earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now go on over to the 8th chapter, the 21st verse, and the 22nd verse. Now, Noah built the ark. Noah found grace in God's eyes. And God said, Noah, you get your family and bring the animals two by two and blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff. You've heard it. The animals, they came on, came on by twosies, twosies, the animals. You remember that song? No? Oh my gosh, it was a camp song. It was awesome. Every morning they woke us up. Rise and shine and give God the go. Yeah, and it's the whole story from Genesis to Revelation. It was beautiful. I loved it. The point is, Noah did what was right. He was obedient, okay? And it restored the covenant between God and man once again that now they were in right standing with God. Now look at this. So after the floods came, and they reset, the waters receded, it said, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. Nicole, what are you saying? Who cares? We're not on an ark. We don't have rain. We don't. I'm saying this. Noah went into a very long season of his life. Noah wasn't just on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. It rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. He was on the ark 378 days. I didn't calculate that. Someone else did. I'm not that smart. But a year and 13 days How would you like to have a season for a year and 13 days? A season you didn't like. A season that you couldn't determine the outcome. Christ didn't tell Noah exactly the way this was going to happen. He said, you build the ark and do this with your family. Right? So unknown for a year and 13 days. How many of you have been in a season that you can't see the end of? It's hard. It's hard, but let me tell you something. What was the purpose of that ark? What was the purpose of why God did it? Did God just have nothing else to do? No, it was because the heart of man was no longer what he thought was good. He said, I'm just going to wipe it out and start over. And I'll use what's good to build on. It forged change. Change. Did you hear me? Change. I know some of you are going, oh, I hate the word change. Here's the problem. In the 22nd verse, 
it said for all of the time that the earth is going to remain, there's going to be seasons. There's going to be hot. There's going to be cold. There's going to be seed time. There's going to be harvest. So guess what? You're guaranteed to have change. That means you're going to have to accept that change is coming and that change is here in your life right now. This was a huge change. This changed the way you and I think of God. Let me tell you something. You think this didn't put the fear of the Lord in the next generation? You think Noah didn't say, let me tell you about the ark. Let me tell you about the people that were crawling up my boat trying to get in. And I had to watch them all die. You think that didn't matter? It mattered. That was a huge, huge season. Seasons are brought to bring change. To bring change. Every season that you go through in your life has a reason and a purpose. Every season. The sooner you identify that, the easier life's going to be. Okay? Now, let's go to Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, the first verse. It says... To everything there is a season. That word season means a point in time. Remember, we just discussed it. A time for every purpose. That means valuable thing under heaven. To everything there is a season. Do you realize that? Everything. Me, up here, right now, is a season. There's an appointed time, and it's marked by certain conditions. Stay on this thing and don't go down those steps so everybody can see you. Those are the certain conditions. And be sure you preach the word of God so that I never have to throw you off the stage. Certain conditions. And it's marked for a season. What? Uh, about 12.05, 12.07, we're going to be done. That's a season. Okay? Let's talk about some of these seasons. Let's talk about parent seasons. Oh, I have parent seasons. The season as a parent that you could be in is you understand why animals eat their young. Maybe that's the season you're in. Maybe you just think this life would be so much better if I would just eat you and get it over with now. Because to go through the rest of this season, I'm just going <sighs> to... I'm serious. There's, look, there's pregnancy with children. You're pregnant and then there's sleepless nights. I'm thinking of, of Aaron and his wife. I just love you guys with your new babies. But they're sleepless nights. They walk in, their eyes are bloodshot. <gasps> We made it to church on time. There's toddlers. There's teenagers. And then you wave goodbye, and they go to college. And now you're empty nesters, and you look at your husband, and you're like, hey, baby, I'm back. You know, it, it's these seasons of life of parenting. It's, how about romantic seasons? Should I date? Shouldn't I date? Oh, maybe I should just tell him I want to be friends. Or should we group date, or should we really go on a date? Is he really the one I'm supposed to marry? Is he the only one for me? Is this my soulmate? And then it's, you know what? I can't stand you today. I don't even know why I got married. And then it's, oh, honey, I'm so in love with you. You know, with our children gone, I'm just, I love you more and more every single day. Those are seasons, seasons of relationships. Seasons that you go through in life with your spouse. There's occupational seasons. Do I take the job? Do I move over here? Do I live here for two years and then come back home? Do I, this is 25 cents more an hour and we get health care insurance and all these choices every single day. They're all seasons. 
And of course, there's the four seasons we all know about. Spring, summer, winter, and fall. You ever notice that your spiritual life sometimes looks like those? Like spring, everything's new. It's a season of growth. You're reading the word faster than you can spit it out. And it's like, yeah. And then summer comes and it feels good. And you're eating of the fruit of your Bible. And it, oh, it's all good. And then the fall comes. You start to lose track of stuff. The leaves are falling. You're like, man, them leaves got to be blown. Yeah, those windows, I got to shore everything up for winter. And it's a... And then it's winter. It's so cold and nasty, I don't even want to get up and read the Bible. That's seasons of your spiritual life. There's times you're hot. There's times you're cold. There's times you have this great desire to just grow and dig into God. And then there's other times you're like, I know God exists, but I ain't got one minute. That's normal. It's seasons of life. The point is, all these seasons are meant to bring about change. When spring comes, you know what's following it. In your spiritual life, can you identify those seasons? Can you see them? That's hugely important because I think a lot of us right now are in a spiritual season that we don't even know we're in. It's all about Christmas right now. See, we're all involved in the physical season of what this is. And it's beautiful. I love this season. It's my favorite. But the point is, change is coming. Change is on the horizon right now. Will you change with the season? Or will you redo the season again? Hmm. I know. That's a tough one, isn't it? I'm going to share something very vulnerable with you today. As I normally do, I either share my vulnerability or I share someone that I know and love. And then they have to share it. Thank you very much, Ray Moody. Okay, so here's, here's a season in my life. Every parent goes through the season as their children start to grow older and they get closer to walking out that door. You make a mental grade card. You really do. You look at your life and you go, hmm, okay, what have I done? Have I done everything I need to do before I kick her out the door? Because, not that I'm kicking her out the door. I'm just saying, I have a 17-year-old. She's only a junior. But the point is, we're coming up on that due date where it's time that every parent gets a grade card in the mail. And then they turn into this adult. And it's like, how did you do? So I'm just saying, I want to take my own inventory before everyone else takes it for me. So I went through the list and I thought, you know, God, I've taught her about you. I've taught her how to read her word. I've taught her how to have a relationship with you. I've taught her, I think, how to be kind. She's still a little rough around the edges there, but Lord, it's okay. You'll finish working that out. I'm glad she's not here, by the way. She's at the Urbana Church helping lead worship because Lisa's not feeling well today, so she has no voice. So her and Sarah Simmons went over there to lead worship. But the point is, I looked at all these things. I taught her about hygiene. I taught her about keeping her room clean. I I did all the things I thought I needed to do. And then I heard the Lord say, but you didn't teach her to be healthy. Who just said that? I'm healthy. No. I waited a couple days, wanted to deny what I heard, and I heard him say it again. You gonna teach her 
to comfort herself with food like you? Wait a minute. Me? I do not comfort myself with food. Do not. Liar, liar. I'm thinking it's just me. I'm thinking it's my subconscious. I'm thinking, you know, you're just being too hard on yourself, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, it was like this huge awareness came on in my mind. And everything I ate, everything I cooked, the Lord went, see, you deserve this because you had a bad day. Listen, I can tell you the comfort food of choice for me and my family. If I have had a day where all I did was make decision, 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 decisions, put out fire, 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 fire, and sit down at home, I go, well, there's no time to cook dinner. Go to Ray's. Let's get two rotisserie chickens. Let's get Bob Evans mashed potatoes. Let's open two cans of corn. Let's get those Hawaiian sweet rolls and slam butter all over the top and put them in the oven and get them nice and warm and get a pack of pre-packaged Pillsbury's cookies that are already cut in the little circles so I only get to eat a dozen. (laughs) Woo, it's good. Oh, it just makes the day better. You don't understand. Sitting there eating all those carbs, all of a sudden I just feel it come over me. Just sit, chill, and all of a sudden my day is happy. It's good. And Randy's happy because those chocolate chip cookies really, okay, they were for me. But he eats most of them. I just eat one or two with a glass of milk. And it just feels good. The point is, I was putting my thought and my process into something else rather than being comforted and giving it over to the Lord. And I didn't identify that I was teaching my children to do the same. Does that make sense? Okay, so I thought to myself, well, Lord, how am I going to teach them to be healthy if I'm not healthy. (laughs) I don't want to give up my snacks. I weigh 125 pounds. I'm happy with who I am. No, I'm not. I am miserable with who I am. And all of a sudden, it started to come. Now, I'm just going to get real, real with you right here, okay? Before you send me your letters. No, No, I'm serious. This is really serious at this moment. I love all of you. This is not about you. This is about me. This is about my story. I understand that there may be somebody out there looking at me right now saying, you're not unhealthy and you're not overweight. I'm telling you that it wasn't about what I looked like. It was how I felt about myself and how I felt when I woke up in the morning. And there's no reason that a 44-year-old girl woman should be aching when she gets up in the morning because she does so much activity. There wasn't no activity. I got to eat what I want when I want, and I justified the way I did it because I was 125 pounds. Do you see my point? So I'm taking the judgment away from you guys. You can't have it. This isn't about what you think about my situation. This is about how I felt when I woke up in the morning. And you can say, well, you don't even know what it's like to be overweight. You know what? I beg to differ with you. Sometimes for me to get off five pounds is like someone else to get off 50 pounds. The struggle was real, and it is real for me every day. And I'm walking it out in front of my children. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy walking this process out. It's easier to ignore how I feel. It's easier to eat what makes me feel good 
emotionally. And it's definitely easier to not have to prepare it because I can go out and buy it. I can buy pizza on Monday. I can buy Chinese on Tuesday. I can buy Ray's on Wednesday. Oh, no. Wednesdays they have the, the fellowship dinner here, so I can just take my kids there, and who cares what they eat? On Thursday I can go to Ray's, and on Friday it's the weekend, so who cares? I have my whole week covered. Because, of course, I'm a working mother. I work 35, 40 hours a week, don't have time to cook, don't want to clean up the mess, and it's all paper plates. It's beautiful. But God was pulling me in, saying, no, that's not what I want you to do. There's a season of change, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. You're not going to be able to have cookies and milk when you want them because those three little ones are going to be watching you. And you're going to tell them that that's not a healthy lifestyle. You want to know why you're going to do that? Because I need you to live long in the kingdom. I need you to usher in the next generation before you go. I can't have you leaving this earth at 45 and leaving them by themselves. Remember that responsibility word that I always preach on? God was smacking me with responsibility and saying, I love you. But it's time you need to focus on what I want you to do. So off to the gym I go. I'm not, Annie, how many times have I said I'm going to the gym? In the time you've known me from your house, I've come over and asked if I could use your workout room, right? Never came over. I've tried this before. It never worked. How many of you have had a membership like to the YMCA? Anybody? Okay, now again, no hate mail. I think the YMCA is a great place to work out if you can be faithful. For me, that is not the choice. Now I'm going to tell you why. Here's what we think, okay? We think that if we go to the gym, now, by the way, I don't want anybody to think that's a curse word in here. The gym is not a curse word. It's actually a good thing if you go to the gym. And don't be all pious if you go to the gym and everybody else like, I go to the gym, how are you? Oh, pfft. who day? We're all in this together. Let me tell you something, it ain't easy. So here's the deal. You get, you get this thing, or maybe it's Beachbody or Insanity or Half Insanity. I don't know what they even are. They're all crazy words. All these workout programs, right? But here's what they do. They put this beautiful model up there, okay, for the girls. And then for the guy, he's all this buff. He's got all these cuts. They're probably not even real. They've probably sprayed them on before his photograph because he's standing there like this. You know, and it just makes you want to be those people. And you really think that if you do what this program says, you're going to look like that, right? Yeah, and they want you to take a before picture and then an after picture. And I'm like, well, I don't have the same spray-on tan artist that they have, so I can't do that. Point is, they tell you 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes. Have you seen that new thing like this? You do it 20 minutes a day, it looks like a snowboard. I'm like, that don't work. Anything that easy is not real. Don't you get that? If it's easy, then it's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to work. It's kind of the same way with the spiritual things. If it's easy, if your season was just like, whoo, through that, oh, now I look like a beach body. It ain't real. There's some work that's got to go in there. There's some hard-earned work, some pushing through when times are tough that you don't want to do. But the bottom line is 20 minutes and you can look like this. So here's what we do. And I'm using the why because there's a circuit there. They call it a circuit where they line up all these exercise machines, okay? And they got a picture on every one of them so you know what exercise to do, okay? But here's what we do. 
okay, 20 minutes a day, and I can look like that. Oh, I'm in. I'm in just 20 minutes a day. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get my, I'm just going to get through it. So here's what we do. Oh, I got to do this. I got to go to the grocery. Oh, oh, okay, back. Okay, and then I got to pick up the kids at school, and I got to do this. Okay. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, how are you today? Go, good, good, good. Okay. Okay, and then my next leg. 20, 20. Oh, man, three more exercises. Okay, and you just keep going through it, right? Your mind is not even present on the machine that you're even working. All you're trying to do is get it done. How do you think that's going to work? You, in your season... Oh, just get through the season of teenagers. Get through the season of teenagers. Get through the season of teenagers. Oh, if I could just get the next job. Get the next job. Get the next. Oh, I got to get this house done. Get this house done. Get this house done. Stop. Stop. Because you're yielding nothing. Nothing. All you're doing is going from one season to the next. To the next. To the next. And if you noticed, your muscles ain't getting any bigger. Your stomach muscles ain't lining up, and you didn't learn how to put on the spray tan yet, so you still don't have them. How you go through your season that you're in is everything. This is what the, this is what the gym taught me. Muscle isolation. I'm like, what? I can't even write that word in my book, Richard. He said, write it down. Muscle isolation. I said, Okay, I think that's what it was. I don't even remember. The point is, think about the muscle you're working on. Know how that machine works for you. Think about it. X out everything else. Are your feet down there gritting away so your arms can get stronger? Because all you're doing is growing your thigh, not your arm. I mean, really. Do you see what I'm saying? But we go through the season and the only thing we think about is getting from A to Z. But you miss B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, to the end. And so when you get there, there's not the change that you thought. Well, what, what, uh, <clears throat> you didn't embrace your season. You ran through your season. You did it as fast as you could to say you got through the season. Well, I can get through the season. I can hunker down. I can ignore it. I can avoid it. I cannot deal with it. It's time that we embrace the spiritual season that we're in. When you embrace the season that you're in, when you embrace that God wants me to teach my family to be healthy, I didn't say lose weight. I didn't say be thin. I didn't say be a size two, be a size four, be a size eight. I said when I embrace what God wants to teach me for my family, I'm going to get there a whole lot quicker and a whole lot easier and with his help. It's going to be hard work, but God's grace will be enough. I didn't think I could go to the gym. I didn't think I could eat healthy food. I thought that a Hershey bar was everybody's dinner. No, I'm not kidding. There are days that I would go home and make meals and then get out a box of cereal, Lucky Charms, mm, pour them in a bowl and eat them for dinner. 
it made me feel good. I haven't bought a box of cereal, sugar cereal, in probably three months that I have ate. Now, my kids have, but in th- we're down to three weeks for them, and they're waning themselves out. It's a process. It's hard work. It's God working on us to teach us how to take care of this temple. I'm not telling you, that's not what my message is about today. My message is not about telling you to go to the gym. My message is not about telling you to get healthy. That's not what this is about. I became very vulnerable with you so that you could see and identify seasons in your own life. And when God says, I need you to look at this, the grace to go through that season is present. But if you don't embrace all of that season, you will only get a portion of its value, a portion of the value that God had for you. So you might not be the 20-minute model version (laughs) after you go to the gym and after you start thinking about muscle isolation, but the one thing that you will be is stronger than you were the day before. Something that Richard tells me in the gym every day. Come on, Nicole, one more, one more, one more. I said, this should be called the gym of one more, Richard. It's always one more. He said, because one more is always going to make you stronger. One more. When you think you can't do it, take control of your mind and say, yes, I can. One more. Just one more. Maybe on the treadmill, when that 30 seconds is up, it's just one more. Step, because I can. When's the last time you embraced a season with so much control? You own that season. And went, you know what, devil? You've kept me here four years, but I'm going to take four years in one day. Say, I ain't afraid. When's the last time that your pain was so intense that you said, you know what, God? I want you to take this from me right now. And you stepped up to the devil and said, today's your last day. That's the season I'm talking about. I'm talking about owning the season, not allowing it to own you. Take your season back. So let's begin to be present in our season. Present. Let's accept the season that we're in and let's be present. Remember Ecclesiastics 3.1, to everything, everything, your ride home is a season. What are you going to do with it? Your ride home is a season. What will you do with it? To everything, there's an appointed time for every purpose under heaven. And keep in mind, that purpose is valuable. Valuable. Now, I'm going to change this on you a little bit because I want to talk about perception. The perception of your season is everything. Okay? Now, look at this. How many of you know Pastor Kylan? Pastor, okay. Some of you may not know Ann Braun. She's also another one of our staff members. She used to be a cleaning supervisor in the other two churches. She was over all of our cleaning staff. Now she's kind of like semi-retired to the count room. And she was over there. Now she's not. She's probably busy. But my point is, Pastor Kylan and Ann Braun, they love winter. Love winter. Ann hangs up little signs on her work desk. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. <laughs> Whatever. Kylan, he doesn't even, he like, he's like a, a, the abominable snowman. He like walks in and out of his car like snow doesn't matter. Like, I love it. Like, when's it going to snow? I'm like, 
Are you kidding me? Go back to Pennsylvania where you come from with all that snow. We don't want any here. It's Ohio and I hate snow. I feel like I wasn't made for snow. Like this skin is so tender and so soft that we don't need snow or cold. Out of us three, who do you think winter is going to be the hardest on? So maybe if I change the way I think about the season, it might not be as hard on me, right? So let's see, winter, cold weather, fireplace, warm fireplace. I like the warm fireplace, I, but it's got to be cold to turn on the fireplace. I haven't turned it on all summer, so I like that. Let's see. Oh, Christmas. I like Christmas. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. It's the best time of the year. I love Christmas. And there's all of the snow coming down, and all my little kids, they're all in the house, and it's nice and cold outside, and everybody's locked in tight. I like that feeling. It's safe. I like all that little monkey bread. Okay, no, no, no. Back to the gym. We cannot do that anymore. I can think about it. We just won't go there very often. Once in a great while. When I can risk it. Right now I'm on the not risk file. I can't even look at them or I'm going to go back and just eat a whole dozen cookies. So I just try to stay away from them. An occasional cheat on my Hershey bar. I did eat a whole one the other day. And then I told on myself at the gym. It was horrible. I felt so bad. You know, but it's good. I need that guilt right now, just not later. So I think about the good things about winter. And when I think about those changes, it changes my perspective about my season. So if I embrace my season, change my perspective about it, don't you think it's going to make going through it a whole lot easier? It is. It is a lot better. See, We need to think on the things that are pure, lovely, just, and of good rapport. But sometimes the only thing we can think about is the horribleness of that season. Whether it's, oh my gosh, I just can't believe Johnny. All he does is disobey, 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 disobey. Well, you could have just said to your girlfriend that you're talking about, this season is one of the hardest seasons I've ever been in. But you know what? I know God's going to get me through it. I know he's more than enough. I know that he wants Johnny obedient more than I want him obedient. I know that he made me stronger than my two-year-old son because he gave me the power to raise that child. And I know God's going to be sufficient. That changes the perspective. That changes the results of what we're doing. But all we do is just spew bad perspective. Bad. Everything about your season. And you wonder why your season just gets harder and harder and harder and harder. Because you keep running, avoiding, and not embracing and looking at it negatively. Look at who God is in your situation. He's the only one that can change that season. Didn't it say? He brings the time and the season. Do you tell spring when to come? Neither does that groundhog. No one cares about that ground. I'm keys wrong like 30 times out of every 70. I don't know, something crazy. The bottom line is God determines when it's going to bring rain. God determines when the sun's going to shine. He can change your season. How about we just find out why we're here? 
Maybe you keep coming to the same season over and over and over and over and over. Hello? The reason you're there again is because you didn't get it. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Sit right in there and think out your next three moves. You don't get to roll the dice again. There's some of us that keep coming back, coming back, and coming back, and we get angry because we're back at the same spot. God, I'm here again. Why? What do you want me to take from this? Why am I here? Why do I keep running into this wall? Let me show you. And let me push you through the change. If you don't ask, what change do you think is going to occur? You see, there's a process to the whole season change thing. And it's good for us. It's good because in the end, we're different than the person we were before going in. Philippians 4.11. This is, <laughs> this is Paul talking. And you can turn there if you want. If you don't, I got it. 4.11 says, now, he's talking about anxiety in this other thing. And it says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, Therefore, to be content. How many of you, in the most uncomfortable season of your life, have truly embraced it and become content? That's hard. That's hard to do. But the only way you go through a season with total contentment is saying, Lord, I, I don't know how many days I'm going to be on this ark. I don't know what this is going to yield in the end, but I have to know that I am going with what your word said. I am doing what's right in my heart and what you've told me. And God, I'm going to walk this season out with you no matter what. When you give it to him, then you become content. When you embrace your season and be content in it in the moment of the season, listen, when you become frustrated, you become anxious, let me tell you something. The devil steals your season. Whew. Every bit of change you had, he just took. You gave it right back through frustration and anxiety and anger. Look at Abraham and Sarah. God comes to Abraham says, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. <laughs> Sarah's like, not in this womb you're not. Because I'm barren. In case you haven't noticed, there aren't any children. Don't worry, Abraham, look at the stars. As many as the stars are, as many as you will have. Are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. That's not even possible. Not to mention that Sarah's beyond her time to have children. What happens? They start walking out the season. Abraham, no longer Abram, Sarai. They even change their names to become what God said they are. But Sarah, oh no. Oh no. You want to talk about discontent? Sarah. Sarah's discontent because the Lord must need Sarah's help. So she goes to her handmaiden. Frustration and anxiety. Why? The season wasn't moving as fast as she thought. Not as fast as God. He didn't give her a time frame. There was no time in her season. What if God doesn't give you the time of how long your season's going to last? Is that reason to give up? 
We keep going through the season no matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many feet of snow come. I know that spring is around the corner. It doesn't matter how long you're in your season. So Sarah goes to her handmaiden. Hey, what do you think? How about you lay with my husband and you have a child? That's how I'll get my children. Because Sarah knew better than the Lord. How many of you have known better than the Lord in your season and pushed the hand of God? How many of you have ended up with an Ishmael? A problem. Something you want to do away with. Something that was thrown out and left under a tree to die. That God had to then go take care of. Let me tell you something. I don't want God cleaning up my messes. I want to be able to trust him enough that there is no mess. You see, don't move the hand of God in your situation. Walk the season out and embrace the season you're in. Change If your perspective needs to change, then you need to change it. Get a hold of it and start walking through the season. If God says run, pick up your feet and run. The season's about over. God doesn't tell us exactly how long. He said an appointed time, a set time. Guess what? God's not up there going, oh, I think they've had enough. Okay. That's not how this works. Maybe it's when you get it, when you go through the season, when you embrace it, and you learn, you get to move on. Maybe that's what it's like. The point is, if you don't embrace it and just avoid it, all you do is keep the same season coming over and over and over. And I don't know about you, there's some seasons in my life I want to stop. Oh, Jesus, there are some, it's just like there's this little, I just keep going around the mountain, going around the mountain. I'm like, am I here again? Oh, my gosh, Lord. Again? Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Dig in and find out why am I here, God? What do you want me to learn? And when you do that, the change comes and the fruit comes. Look, this is, this is a story. This isn't Alexis. I'm just going to tell you in advance. So if you're wondering, I'll put your wonder to, to stop. This is, a, this is a situation that I know of another parent. The season of parenting can last a very long time, very long time. And I don't even know that my parents are done parenting now. And I'm 44, 45 years old. It doesn't matter. I don't think it ever stops. I think the level of the need kind of goes away a little bit. You know, I get more independent and I think I do better. Maybe I'm not. You know, mom said to me the other day, this is about Alexis. She said to me the other day, you know, she just really doesn't want to hear anything I have to say anymore. I said, well, welcome to the world. She don't want to hear much that I have to say either. She said, well, that just needs to stop. I said, well, Mom, when when do you want, let's see, at 18, she's an adult. She should know where she's going to go to college, what her occupation for the rest of her life is going to be. Most people have their mate chose by then, how many children they're going to have, what car they're going to drive, where they're going to live. All by 18, when you walk out of the graduation doors, you should know all this. No, you shouldn't. 
that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're allowed to be on your parents' insurance till you're 26, but you got to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life by age 18? I said, I'm just wondering, when do you think she should start making some choices on her own? When do you think she's going to start growing into the person she's going to be? You want me to wait till two hours before 18 and she walks out the door? No. So I think what we're talking about is Alexis's attitude about what we have to say. <laughs> Not what we really have to say, but it's her attitude about what we have to say. So that I can work on. But I want her to start thinking on her own. I want her to start saying, hey, mom, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? She's thinking about a coffee shop, and I'm going to take some business management classes, and I'm going to do this. And I'm like, okay, go, go. You have no children, no boyfriend. You don't have to pay rent. You get to live here free. You got a car. Go, go do what you want to do. Now's the time to take risk. Because once you get a husband, once you get children, you don't get that option. Your husband and your children come first, not a coffee shop and some creative, fun thing you want to do. I get it. I don't want her not to need me anymore. But she starts to mature, and she's got to start making these choices on her own. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I must be saying it for somebody. One of the hardest things I've had to do as a parent is to trust God's work in her. Listen, when she came to me and said, for those of you that don't know, I don't want anything that you want for my life. Not anything. I said, excuse me? I don't want anything for your life. I just want you to know, I don't want to be a worship leader. I don't want to lead worship anymore. I don't want to be on the youth team anymore. I don't want to do this. I said, all I can hear is Randy in my mind saying, don't say a word. Don't let her see you stress. Don't let her see you sweat. You just say, really? So I said, really, really? Okay, well, well uh, thank you for telling me. Inside I'm going, are you crazy, child? What's the matter with you? Do you understand the call of God on your life? Do you understand what he has purpose for you? And all I hear is Randy going, breathe, breathe. Don't kill her in one day. Don't kill her in one day. Soon as I got home, I told dad, I said, dad, I need to talk to you right away. He'd come up, he sits out on the back deck. I'm like, you wouldn't believe what your granddaughter said. And my dad, this is him exactly. He sits back on the bench. Yep, I've heard that before. I said, you did? She told you first? Oh, no, I'm really on fire. He said, no, she didn't say a word to me. I said, oh, God told you. He said, no. He said, I've heard that not once, not twice, three times. I've heard it four times from you. <laughs> from me? I said that? He said, oh, yeah, wait. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right, about the same age, too. I'm like, okay, all this is going to be okay, isn't it? It's all going to be okay, isn't it? He said, Nicole, stop. She's a good kid. She loves God. How far you think she can run? He said, you ran for 30 years and you came back. It's okay. Give her room. Let her go. Just let it go. One of the hardest things I've ever done is let her choose to be who God wants her to be on her own. It's hard. The point is, this is a season. And i got to be honest with you, I'm waiting for the time when the appointed time's up. <sighs> As I sweat bullets and hope she makes the right choice, and I want her to make my choices. 
They're not mine to make. They're not mine to make. Their mom, mom and I want her to make our choices. Lord, she was seven, and mom was going, why are you letting her wear that? I said, well, mom, last time I checked, if you walk into children's place, anything you choose is stylish. Who cares? Well, it's not the fluffy fur coat that I saw. I'm like, because she hates fur, mom. She doesn't want to wear fur. She don't want bows. She don't want diamonds. She doesn't want to be sassy. She wants black nail polish and black shoes, black jeans, and a black shirt. And mom's like, I hate black. I'm like, I know, but it doesn't matter. It's hard going through those parent seasons and letting them find themselves. If I don't let her find herself, she's just going to run from who I want her to be. I don't want her to run. I want her to run to me, not from me. This is who Christ is with you. So he's going to let you go through that season and choose and maneuver and get around it all. And he's just waiting for you to say, why am I here? So when Lexi comes to me and says, Mom, now why would a coffee shop be a good idea and why would it be a bad idea? You see, it changes our relationship because I'm no longer against her. I'm with her. I'm for her. She said, I'm going to be a, I'm moving to Nashville. I'm going to be a musician. I said, oh, that's a great idea. That's the musician capital of the world. You should go there. I said, so what's the first step of moving? Load my car up and go. I said, okay, let's make a plan. How about we scout out the area first in Nashville like six months before? Let's find a good area to live in so you're not living in the ghetto of Nashville so you can walk to the grocery store and pick up groceries and not be mugged on your way home. Oh, is Nashville not safe? Oh, Jesus. You understand my process here, but I want her to succeed. I want her to get what she wants. All I got to do is help facilitate who she is. God's going to help her get to the end of herself and identify that she needs him. Again, I don't know why I took that rabbit trail, but it must be for some parent out there today that needs to learn to trust as much as I have to. And it's hard. And it is scary. 16-year-old girl, been raised in the church her whole life. Taught the word of God. Taught how to fear the Lord. Taught all the morals in the world that don't drink, don't smoke, don't hang out with those people that do. Goes to a Christian school says, Mom, I'd like to go to a party tonight. She says, okay, well, who's all going to be there? Where are you going? So she goes. Christian school party, guys. I'm not talking rave parties, drinking everywhere. They probably got a can of Jolt there to drink. If anyone knows, it's an energy drink or rock star drink. That's the highest they're drinking at this level. The point is, sure, you can go. Go have fun. Okay, well, I'm going to drive. I'll be home at about 11. She says, okay. She gets a call about an hour later. Everything Okay. We're going to go over to so-and-so's house instead. Everything okay? It's good, Mom. We'll talk later. Okay. So she goes with her other friends, comes back home. She's like, what's the matter? She said, Mom, I had to leave the party. She said, why? They're smoking weed. Now, what is this? Season of parenting your whole life up until 16 years old. Seed time, seed time. Seed time. Don't hang out with people that drink. You shouldn't smoke. That's not good for you. you. Shouldn't do it. Blah blah blah. God's not pleased with this. God, you know, 
this constant seed time, seed time, seed time. Guess what? Harvest time, 16 years old. 16-year-old daughter comes home, doesn't want anything to do with weed. You want to know why? The season of God had come due in her life. All that sowing was worth something. All of that seed time was worth something. And God finally, finally, 16 years, pushes out the fruit and that child succeeds. Let me tell you something. Some of you parents are in a season right now that you say, I don't know if I can get through this season. I don't, you can. It's coming. The seed is right there. It's been planted. It's been watered. It's been grown. But you got to give it room. Give it room to succeed. Lexi said to me the other day, she said, why do you treat me like this? I'm a good kid. I said, I know. You're right. I'm sorry. You're my first 17-year-old daughter. And you're going to do it my way. She's not going to do it my way. I'm going to tell you right now, this child is not going to do it my way. She's going to do it God's way. Because God's way is better than mine. God's thoughts, his dreams, his visions for her are so much higher than mine. She could be here for the rest of her life as a worship leader in this church, and I would be completely happy. Maybe God wants to take her to the world. You ever think of that? And I want to keep her in this little box where she's nice and safe and I get to keep her. She's not a toy. She's God's. She's valuable and she's worth something. Or I wouldn't have to be fighting so hard and neither would any of you. Miss Norris said to me one time, she said, you know, Nicole, as a parent, there's some battles that you can do in the physical world. You can talk to them. You can tell them what you want. And it just works. She said, and there's other ones, like your middle child. That's what she said. You got to fight for on your knees. So what do you mean? She said, in order for the devil to want what you have, it must be valuable. Your children are valuable for the kingdom. And God wants, their, and God wants them, but the devil wants their soul. So on your knees is where you pay the price for your children. And that's where the true work happens. So I'm telling you that those of you parents that are struggling just like me, to let that kid spread her wings or his wings and let them choose something on their own. It's hard. It's so hard. But God wants them to succeed more than you do. And your rightful place is on your knees. Take that place and don't give up and forge through this season because God's got it on the other side. He really does. All right? Stand to your feet. Look at that. I even let you out seven minutes earlier than I said today. That season was a little shorter than you thought. I want you to look at this whole week. Every season that you come to, everything that you see as a struggle in this week, I want you to look at it and say, okay, God, how long have I been in this struggle? Number one. Number two, what do you want me to learn from this struggle? Number three, I'm going to embrace it. And number four, if my perception's wrong, change it. And there isn't a season in here that you're not going to get through. And in the end, you're going to share your season with one of us, just like I've shared my season with you today. 
And we're all going to learn from each other. Because as the body, that's what we do. That's what we do. And each one of us are a different place in our season. Each one of us. But if you're not aware and you don't embrace it, you're just going through it. Don't go through the motions this week. Embrace the season that you're in. Grab the hand of the neighbor beside you. We're going to pray today. And I want you to pray for that person that's beside you today. And I know you got one on your left and one on your right. But I want you to pray that their eyes would be open to their season. And that God would give them the grace that they need to go through this season. Identify it and embrace it. And if they need help, make yourself available for them to reach out to you this week. And say, I need help. I need you to pray with me because... I'm about to go nuts in this season. Sometimes you just need a little bit of encouragement. Sometimes you just need to know that another mother feels your pain. Sometimes you just need to know that there's another parent out there that their kids are wayward. And your only hope is that before Christ comes back, they come to know him at home. Join your faith with those around you today and let's pray. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone here, Father, that's in this place today, Father, that this season, Father, that I've spoke on, Father, that you would in, help them to embrace where they are today. Father, that you would enlighten them and turn their awareness on this week, Father, as they go through life, Father, and go through the different seasons, Father, that you bring their awareness on, Father, like you did me with our health. Father, teach us and walk with us and work with us, Father, as we go through this. God, that we can truly learn what you have us to learn as we go through it. Father, give us the grace that we need. Give us the grace, God, that we need to do and be empowered to do what you want us to do in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord. Father, for your grace is sufficient in all that we do in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I just come before you, and God, as we go home today, Father, I ask that you protect us and keep us safe. God, I thank you, Lord, that in pastors... Miracle service tonight, Father, the last service. Father, I ask God that miracle signs and wonders, Father, like never before, Father, would be on display. Father, the power of God would come into that church, Father, ignite that city for Christ. Father, one last time before they come home. God, I thank you, Lord, that devils would flee today in Jesus' name from that service. Every stronghold, every bit of witchcraft and workers of iniquity, I command it to be gone in Jesus' name. Father, let your name be powerful, Father, in that place tonight, Father, as they take the kingdom to Kenya, Father, for your name, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you provide a safe trip home for, for Dad and all the men that went with him, Father, this season.